Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. You see on the screen, amazing and ordinary days before Christmas. Amazing, astounding, uh, phenomenal things happened, and some pretty ordinary things happened. Angels show up so often in what we call the Christmas story, and if you take the Christmas story, we begin with, you know, the angel talking to Zacharias, and then, you know, six months later, the angel's talking to Mary, and three months later, the angels are so the angels talking to Joseph, and then the angels uh, talking to Joseph again, and then again, and and you have the angels showing up to talk to the shepherds, and it seems like man, angels are here all the time. It's just this is the happening place, angels all the time. But from when the angel Gabriel announced to Zacharias to when uh, the angel sent Joseph back up to uh, Nazareth, uh, that's a time period of probably two to two and a half, maybe even three years. Uh, it's, it's not all at once. It's not all happening in the same night. Uh, it happens over time. And so what we're going to look today in Luke chapter one and in Matthew chapter one, and you notice the picture on your screen is split uh, between half of it, there's a rainbow, it's flourishing tree, and the other half of it, that tree looks like you know, a desert tree that's seen better days, doesn't it? Uh, We have some trees like that around here, and uh, we have some flourishing trees. We we don't usually uh, get spectacular rainbows in our town. We get spectacular sunsets, but not rainbows very often. You have to have rain for rainbows, and so we don't get many of those. Some of you are from other places, and you know what that looks like. So we had a guest speaker here once from North Carolina, and it started raining at night, and all of us were like standing in the foyer looking out the window, watching the rain, and he just cracked up because where he lives, it rains all the time. Nobody stands and watches the rain. Nobody says, praise God, it's raining. They're like, oh, it's raining again, you know. But here it's like, rain! (laughs) Spectacular. So we're going to look at the angels and at the impact of that we're going to look at three spots and we're going to talk about a couple others and but i want you to see that yes there were amazing days spectacular things astounding things that happened because angels showed up but most of the days were ordinary days like some of you are married today And you can go back, you can look at your wedding day, and you can look at pictures. In fact, on our wedding day, Kathy and I, in the pictures, we look just absolutely blissfully happy. And that's the way most people look on their wedding day. But they don't always look that way every day of their marriage, do they? No, of course, Kathy does, because she's married to me, but, you know, most people don't have that blessing. (laughs) So when we look at this, I want you to think about the fact that um, there were some amazing days. 
but most of the days were ordinary days. And so don't get caught up seeking the amazing. Trust God in your ordinary days. Father, as we read your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak into our hearts and lives. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray that we would think about your word and the real history that's presented here. These are facts, not myths. They're truths. And may we learn, may we grow and be encouraged in our daily lives. In Jesus' name, amen. In Luke chapter 1, uh, we're going to start out in verse number 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. Uh, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. So these are descendants from Aaron, the priesthood. So both of them were descended from Aaron, just far enough apart on the family tree. It was okay for him to get married. And so uh, Zacharias was a faithful priest serving and then uh, his wife was faithful as well. Verse 6, they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Now, when you picture well advanced in years, you're picturing like 90, right? You're, you're, if you're here today and you're 90, then you're picturing 100, right? Uh, you're, you're not picturing probably Zacharias was late 40s because he was a priest and they retired from their priestly role at age 50. So in our culture, being in late 40s seems youthful, maybe the beginning of middle age. It's chronologically, if you're adult years, it's, it's about middle age of your adult years, but it's later than that of your total years. So they, they weren't ancient people, but in their culture, people had harder lives, more difficult lives. So when it says they were well advanced, it, you know, they, they were in their culture. They were older people normally beyond the childbearing years, normally not anticipating a child, yet Zacharias was apparently still praying about it. Uh, in verse uh, 7 again, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So this is not a routine thing for him. This is probably a once-in-a-lifetime experience for him, as certainly a once-in-this-season of ministry for him. He was able to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. They had different structures. Now, we don't have priests today because every believer is a believer priest. Every believer has direct access to God. But in the Old Testament, so I usually refer to that priesthood as the Hebrew priesthood or the Jewish priesthood because the churches that have priests today are putting somebody between the people and God. And the Bible's very particular. There's one mediator between God and man. Who's that? Jesus Christ, the man Jesus, one mediator. So I'm not between you and Christ. I'm helping you follow Christ. So that's why we don't have priests, and we shouldn't have priests in the church age in this time period. 
But at this time in history, God was working through the Jewish priesthood to bring people to himself. So uh, let's jump down to verse 10. The whole multitude of people were praying outside in the hour of incense. Then the, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. And we all said, duh, right? I mean, suddenly there's an angel, and, and he was suddenly, I mean, this, he was walking in expecting the room to be empty except for him. Now, when a priest would do this, they had a rope tied around their ankle and bells around the bottom of their uh, robe so that you could hear them moving in there, and if they stopped moving, then you'd pull on the rope and drag them out, and then God hadn't accepted the sacrifice, and they died. Uh, but Zacharias goes in, he's expecting to be all alone, and there's an angel there, and the angel says in verse 13, do not be afraid, Zacharias. For your prayer is heard. Now, is Zacharias still praying for that son? Or is, did he stop praying 20 years ago? I don't know. I think he probably is still praying. That's the way it's presented here. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. And he'll be great in the sight of the Lord. And it goes on to describe a little bit of the ministry of John. Now I want you to pause right there. And I want you to think about Zacharias. He goes in and totally different worship structure than we have. They had tiers of worship. They had the courtyard where most people could come. And then they had the inner court or the holy place where only the priests could be. And then there was the holy of holies where only one could go in. And so he's doing, uh, they, they had different structures. In our structure, everybody's welcome. Welcome. Now, not everybody's welcome to get up here and teach. To teach in one of our Bible classes, you have to be a member in good standing. You have to have some training and skill set to be able to do that for the adults or the kids. And, and if you're working with kids, you have to be background screened. Everybody does. So we have different structure in it, but they were worshiping God together. And Zacharias was trusting the Lord and worshiping the Lord. And then the angel tells him, you're going to have a son. And Zacharias says in verse 18, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. I wonder if Elizabeth knew Zacharias was calling her an old lady. I don't know, you know. Uh, and then uh, the angel answered and said to him in verse 19, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Because he doubted, because he questioned, he, he said, how can I believe this is true? Then he was mute for a period of at least nine months, possibly 10, because he had to finish his season as a priest before he went home. And then Elizabeth was expecting, and it takes about nine months uh, to have a baby. But notice that Gabriel said, I'm he who stands in the presence of the Lord. This is not the first time we've heard the name Gabriel as an angel. Uh, in the book of Daniel, an angel Gabriel talks to Daniel. This is the same Gabriel. 
Angels are eternal beings. They don't die, and uh, they're eternal beings, just like people are eternal beings. Angels, from the moment they were created, they live forever. People, from the moment they're created in the womb by God, they live forever. They're going to live forever in heaven, and then the new heaven and the new earth, or hell, and then the lake of fire. They're going to live forever. We are created to be eternal beings, and so are angels. So the angel Gabriel that talked to Zacharias and Mary was the angel Gabriel who also talked to Daniel way back when. But where did Gabriel say he, his primary place of ministry was? I stand where? Verse 19 in the presence of God. Now Luke 15, 7 says, there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. And Luke 15, 13, I'm sorry, 15, 10, says, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now Gabriel had been standing in the presence of God. Just, just think about this for a moment. Gabriel standing in the presence of God, and in the presence of God, they're rejoicing over one sinner that repents. The day you trusted Jesus Christ, the angel Gabriel could have been in God's presence rejoicing that you're now part of God's family. That's kind of a cool thought, isn't it? I, I like that idea. The same angel Gabriel spoke to Daniel about the prophecies, spoke to Zacharias about John, spoke to Mary about Jesus, probably was standing in the presence of God rejoicing over you when you trusted Christ. Now jump down to verse 26. In verse 26, Gabriel has another assignment. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. That would kind of blow your mind, wouldn't it? You know, you're in a normal routine day and this guy comes in and says this to you. Verse 29, um, or verse 30, sorry. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? Now, some of you are thinking, okay, she's questioning the angel. Does she have to be mute for 10 months? No, she wasn't questioning whether it was going to happen. She was asking how it was going to happen. How can this be? How can it be? Zacharias was not questioning how can this happen. He was saying, how can I believe this? So it was different. Mary was still trusting the Lord. And so uh, Gabriel gives her an answer in verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And so then Mary in verse 38 says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed. 
So the angel, uh, six months after Gabriel went to, we, we know it was six months because it says in verse number 36, Elizabeth is now in the sixth month. So if it, it may be seven at the most from when the angel was with Zacharias, now the angel's talking to Mary. So Elizabeth's now six months along. And so uh, we know it, that's the minimum time period six months. It could have been seven or eight months, but uh, six months later, Gabriel shows up to Mary. So what has Gabriel been doing in those six months? Worshiping in the presence of God or going on assignments for God? Standing in the presence of God, rejoicing when believers believe and trust Christ? Um, and in verse 37, he says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Now, for us, uh, we, we have big prayer requests and we have little prayer requests. But for the omnipotent, all deeds are finite. The God who spoke the stars into existence still has the same capacity today. And so Gabriel speaks from experience. The Bible doesn't specify, but I believe that angels were created on day one of creation. That when God began the creation process and he created the heavens and the earth, I think that's when the angels were created. And so that would put Gabriel on the scene when God created the stars. God spoke creation into existence and he said, let there be lights in the heavens and there were lights in the heaven. Uh, trillions and trillions of stars uh, were created by God saying, let there be. So I read an article uh, years ago about NASA scientists trying to uh, calculate how many trillions and trillions of stars there could be. And so in that article, they said they, the best of their ability to weigh and measure using all kinds of scopes and evaluations, they said there are two trillion galaxies in the observable universe. Now, two trillion is a thousand times a million times a million, a thousand times a million is a billion, a billion, I'm a billion times a thousand is a trillion, and so there's two trillion galaxies. So the galaxies are one million times 1,000 times 2,000, that's how many there are. And then they estimate that each galaxy has 100,000 million stars. So each star exists just because God said, let there be light in the firmament of the heaven, and he made the sun and the moon and the stars. And, and in the creation story, all these trillions and trillions of galaxies and stars, it just says, and the stars. He created the sun for the day, the moon for the night, and the stars. Gabriel could clearly and objectively claim with God, nothing is impossible. Gabriel had seen the hand of God at work in the universe, and he'd seen the hand of God at work in humanity, and he could say, nothing's too difficult for him. 
So when you pray to this awesome God, do you remind yourself nothing's impossible with him? Absolutely nothing. Now jump over to Matthew chapter 1. We see the angel showing up with Joseph. In Matthew chapter 1, Joseph at this point has learned that Mary's expecting. This is a shocker for him. Uh, the Bible presents them as a young couple uh, who are arranged to be married. doesn't specifically say they're in love, but we obviously like to think they are. Um, but it does say they're arranged to be married and, and uh, presents him as a young guy. Some churches teach that Joseph was a really old guy who had other kids and he took Mary in. That's not what the Bible says. Mary was expecting after she and Joseph were already betrothed. And now Joseph's really wrestling with this. And the reason, one of the reasons why I think he loves Mary is because he's trying to do what's best for Mary, not just what's best for him. So um, when you love people, you want to do what's better for them. So be begin in verse 18, follow along with me as I read. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly or privately. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, or descendant of King David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, for, quoting from Isaiah 7, 14, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God with us. So there's absolute certainty in what the angel says here. Look, in verse 21. She will bring forth a son. She's going to have a baby. It's going to be a boy. No one can accurately predict with 100% accuracy what the birth will be, but the angel said it before Mary even conceived. You're going to have a baby. It's going to be a boy. And so she will bring forth a son, and then you will call his name Jesus. God chose the name for John, who would become John the Baptist. God chose the name for Jesus. Uh, Jesus is a kind of a derivative of Joshua, uh, the Savior. Uh, that's what his name means, that he would be the one who saves. And, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Their names were assigned by God. I, I've never particularly liked my name. I wouldn't have picked Terry for my name. Thought about changing it once I became a legal adult, but it would have bothered my mom if I'd done that. And it would have bothered my dad too, but that wouldn't have bothered me. Um, but, but it would have bothered my mom, and that would have bothered me. And 
So uh, I got the name Terry because they let my older sister pick out my name. And I've held it against her for 60 years. No, no not really. I, I stopped doing that. But, um, you know, nobody in this room got their name because God picked it. But John and Jesus, their names were picked by God, assigned by an angel to deliver to their parents. This will be their name. And then he will save his people from their sins. You notice what it doesn't say? We're hoping he can pull this off. It doesn't say he's going to give it his best shot. It says he's going to make it happen. And that's exactly what Jesus did in his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection and his ascension. He made it possible for those who believe to Be in heaven with him forever someday. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And all of us come to the Father through him by believing and trusting in him. And then look at Joseph's response in verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Now, I'm not trying to be crude, but I want to point out some churches teach that Mary was forever a virgin, and that's not what God's Word teaches right there. It says, after the birth of Jesus. So she was for a time, and then she wasn't, because she was a married woman with her husband, and that was appropriate. And so the churches that teach that are not teaching the truth about Mary or the truth about Jesus the Christ, God the Son, who stepped into humanity. So don't follow those teachings. Now, if we looked, we could go to Luke chapter 2, and we could see the angels showing up again with the shepherds. We could go into Matthew chapter 2 and see the angels telling uh, Joseph to go down to Egypt and then to leave Egypt and go back to Nazareth, and and we could see those things. But I... I, uh, Hebrews 13 says that angels are, I'm sorry, Hebrews 1, 13 and 14 said that angels are ministering spirits. They are sent here, on, they serve on earth and in heaven to worship God and then to help people. So when angels are here on earth, they're not here on earth to build a following. They're not here on earth to have fun, a vacation from their work in heaven. They're here to minister to those who believe and trust and follow God's plan of salvation. So uh, that's exactly what Hebrews 13.2 says, then that we, we are not always aware when angels are here. They look like people, act like people. Uh, they, we don't always recognize them as being angels. And so we're not supposed to worship angels. We're not supposed to trust in angels. We trust in the Savior. The angels work for him. In fact, when John uh, was talking with an angel in heaven and he was overwhelmed by the awesomeness of this angel and he fell down like to worship before the angel, the angel says, stop it. I'm just a servant of God like you are. No angel of God wants worship. Satan, however, and his demons, they want people to worship them. They want people to trust in angels, talk about angels, obsess about angels. Uh, But the angels of God 
they don't want any of that. They want you to focus on Jesus the Christ. So when we look at all these events of angels, Zacharias, how many angels? One. Thank you, Roger. I heard one clear answer. All right. How many times? To Zacharias, how many times did an angel come? One angel, one time. To Mary, how many times? How many angels? One. How many times? One. To Joseph, how many angels? How many times? Three. There's three times. One to announce the birth of Christ, one to send him down to Egypt, one to get him back up to Nazareth. Could it be three separate angels? Possibly. Could it be just the same angel each time? Possibly, probably, maybe. Uh, is it Gabriel? Bible doesn't say. You know, maybe they have rotation of the angels that get to serve, like Zacharias got the rotation to burn the incense. I don't know. The Bible doesn't give us clarity on that, and it doesn't matter. The shepherds, how many angels? <laughs> yeah, bunches and bunches, right? A friend of ours would have said oodles and oodles. Uh, there were just gobs of angels, a multitude of angels, but they came one time. So in, in all of this stuff that we put into the Christmas story, which includes before the birth of Christ for at least nine or ten months uh, before the conception, so we're looking at you know a year and a half plus before the birth of Christ, and then a year and a half to maybe even two or three years after the birth of Christ, we, we put all of that into the Christmas story. But putting all of those all together, counting before and after the birth of Christ, they had six days out of at least 900 days, maybe more, uh, from the announcement of Zacharias to the angel directing them up to Nazareth, six days out of at least 900. And the record of each encounter makes it seem like it lasted for five minutes or less each time. So if we add up the experiences for Zacharias, Mary, Joseph, 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 and the shepherds, we add all that up, crediting each one with five minutes, even though some were clearly shorter, you would have a total of 30 minutes out of 1,296,000 minutes they would have experienced in that time period. Before Zacharias, you have to go back more than 500 years to the time of Daniel to find a record of an angel. And then after the birth of Christ, uh, you have to go forward after the, the angel sent Joseph back up to Nazareth, you have to go forward another almost 30 years to the ministry of Christ on earth before you see angels again. So in 530 years, combining all the time the angels were visibly involved with people, uh, the Bible records less than half an hour of visible angel time in 530 years. That's less than 30 out of 278,758,800 minutes of time on earth. That's one ten thousandth of one percent of time. So what happened in the other 999, 9,999 percent 
Like, what happened to the rest of the time? 99.999, for those of you who are obsessive. Okay, don't look for angels. Most of the time, you don't want to see them. In the Bible, when people saw them, they were terrified. Most of the time, you don't need to see them. God has given you something, Joseph and Mary and Zacharias and uh, the shepherds. He's given you two things those people didn't have. They didn't have the completed revelation of God's word. They didn't have God's truth they could look at, research, reference, go back to. They didn't have this. We're blessed because we have God's word. The Bible is the most appreciated and most neglected book on the planet. We need to learn it and follow it. They also didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside them as we do. Yes, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she conceived in a miraculous conception uh, and, and that was true. We, we read that in the scripture. We know that for a historical fact, but the Holy Spirit didn't live inside Mary like he lives inside us till after the ascension of Christ. And then Mary, like all the believers in the early church, had the Holy Spirit then living inside her. But at the time of the birth of Christ, she did not. So don't look for angels. In Matthew chapter 12 and 16, Jesus rebuked those who sought spectacular supernatural experiences and he called them wicked if they longed for those things. In 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, it describes Satan and his angels and it says they can masquerade as angels of light. I've mentioned here before a neighbor of mine was talking with me. I had witnessed to him here in town and and he'd gone, had a heart attack, was in the hospital, and, and he stopped me after his heart attack, and he said, hey, Terry, you'll be happy to know I believe in Jesus now. And I said, you do? Well, well that's great. What, what happened? And he said, an angel of God showed up in my hospital room, and he told me I should believe about Jesus. And I said, wow. And he said, and then he kept going, and he said, that I should trust in Jesus because Jesus and Buddha and Confucius and Muhammad are all representatives of God and he can show me the way to go. And, it's, you know, Jesus himself said, I am the way, not I'm one of. You don't get saved by trusting religion. You get saved by trusting Jesus Christ as your savior. And so an angel of God well, let me rephrase that. An angel masquerading as an angel of God. A demon pretending to be an angel of light showed up in his hotel room and gave him a bogus message that he now believes because he had that experience. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do. And we need to trust and follow Jesus Christ. Most of the time, Joseph and Mary spent their days doing normal stuff, getting up every morning in a world that was difficult and harsh and ungodly, preparing meals, washing clothes, 
building things. He was a carpenter, a builder. Putting their sandals on one foot at a time. Going to the market for their daily food. They didn't have refrigerators or instant pots or crock pots or microwaves or stoves or convection ovens. They, they didn't have any of that stuff that we find essential in our spoiled American lives. It's nice to be spoiled sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, they would go to synagogue with their fellow, fellow Jewish believers. This was the process of their week. Several days were spent traveling, 90 minutes they would go from Nazareth to Bethlehem just to register for taxes. It's possible they had a donkey, that's what most of the pictures show, Mary riding on a donkey, but they were poor when they gave their offering. They had the poorest offering you could give, and so she might have had to walk. How many of you ladies, when you're expecting, would like to have to walk 90 miles? from here to the other side of Tucson, just to register for taxes. They likely endured some skeptical, judgmental words from people who had been friends and close family. And after the birth of Christ, they added changing diapers to their daily list of accomplishments. And changing diapers was a lot more difficult before the scientific invention of duct tape. Just was. Now, most of their days were normal, routine, perhaps even bland or boring. God doesn't do spectacular, incredible, amazing things every day on the outside of you. But he does all that on the inside of you. Spectacular, amazing things the Holy Spirit of God living inside those who trust and follow Jesus. So on normal routine days, they trusted God and they followed his word and they were guiding their family to trust and follow Jesus the Christ. So we need to seek after Jesus, not angels. We need to rejoice in God's daily work in our ordinary lives. The ministry of the scripture, one of the strongest things you can do to build your faith, to build yourself up, is daily read God's word. Uh, the divine relationship that we enjoy in prayer. Now, Kathy and I have noticed in our relationship, there are times when we're not listening to each other. Honestly, happens more when she's talking to me than when I'm talking to her. But there are times when we're just not zoning in. We're not paying attention. And every now and then... We have a conversation, we think, and then the other one says, huh, were you talking to me? <laughs> Kathy said to me, there's only two of us in the house now. I, and I say, I thought you were on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> but see, God listens every time you genuinely pray. The God of the universe, who's keeping and holding everything together, listens when you pray. Realize the awesomeness of that. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. There have been times when I was trying to witness to somebody and as I was sharing, they asked a question and a verse pops up in my head. 
that I hadn't thought about in years, although I read through the Bible. Uh, I don't do it necessarily every year, but at least every other year I read through the whole Bible. So I had seen that verse and thought about it at least while I was going through it, but, but I hadn't really thought about it. And sometimes I'd never put that verse into this context to, to help somebody. Under, and the Holy Spirit just prompts me and I share that verse and it's like the light goes on in their head and they get it. Why? Because I'm a brilliant strategist? No, because the Holy Spirit of God makes that happen. Uh, you, you gradually, daily have spiritual growth. Uh, like you can't go back and cite every meal you've had for the last year. Okay, if you can do that, use your brain for something better than that, okay? <laughs> but, but we can't do that. But, but we're, we are who we are in part of what, because of what we have eaten. And it makes us stronger and healthier or not. And so uh, you can't point to any specific meal like you can't point to any specific service uh, or lesson that you heard. There's some that stand out, but most of them don't. But they're building a lifestyle of spiritual discipline and helping you grow spiritually. And you have routine opportunities to minister for Christ to other people to show kindness, to speak a word in season, to give water to a thirsty soul. We have moments like that in our ordinary days. Uh, and by the way, those of you who are kids, um, God shows a lot of grace. I have shared before some of my testimony that I was a mess and involved in some bad things before I got saved in Christ changed my life and I rejoice in that. But there's also times when you mess up and it makes it impossible for God to do what he wanted to do in your life. There's certain things, if I had done them, I could not be a pastor today. They're specifically prohibited. And so God stopped me, wouldn't allow me to go there. Even though I made some poor choices, I didn't make those poor choices so I can be a pastor today. And if Mary had not honored God in her life, she would not have had the opportunity to be the one who would bring the Christ into the world. And so when we get to heaven, we're going to get to meet Mary in part because she honored God when she was a young kid. And you kids need to realize the choices and decisions you make now can affect the whole trajectory of your life. It can keep you on the right path, get you on a wrong path. There's adults in this room who can talk to you about difficulties they've had for years and even decades because of what they started when they were kids. So follow God. Mary had somewhere between five and 6,000 normal days leading up to the point where Gabriel showed up and said she was going to have a baby and it would be the Savior. And then she had another roughly six to 7,000 days after that before she watched her son die on the cross, paying the penalty for her sins and mine and yours. Most days, you're never going to sense the presence of angels. Most days, you're not going to see stuff like that. But angels are there and they're ministering with us and for us for the glory of God. So this morning didn't feel supernatural, but it was. God's at work in your life, in your heart, 
and in mine. So in your normal days, what are you doing to grow your relationship with the Lord? What are you doing to move toward him? How do you model that for others? If you're here this morning and you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, or if you're tuned in online and you're watching this and you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, then you need to do that. You need to ask the Lord to forgive your sins and be your Savior, and he will. That's what he does. That's who he is. And he promised he would never reject people who genuinely come to him for salvation. We'd love to show you from God's word how you can make that happen. So don't leave here today if you don't know Christ. And if you do know Christ, how are you following him? What part of your daily life is on the right track? What part might not be? In your ordinary days, you can follow him to prepare for that amazing day when you're in his presence. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.